It's your Locked On Flyers podcast for Wednesday, November 1st. Your daily dose of Flyers news, analysis, and high-quality content that is excited to talk all things Sabres. Yeah, it'll be fun. Uh, We've got special guest Joe Yurden to do that on today's show. Your Locked On Flyers, your daily podcast on the Philadelphia Flyers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hey there, and thanks for making Lockdown Flyers your first listen every day. I am Rachel Donner. You can find me on the app formerly known as Twitter at our Miriam. I'm here as always with Russ Cohen, who's on all your favorite social media apps at Sportsology. And we are at Lockdown Flyers on Instagram, Threads, Blue Sky, you name it. We are there. Today's episode is brought to you by Sleeper. Download the Sleeper app and use the promo code LOCKEDONNHL to get up to $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. You can find our show over on YouTube or on the SiriusXM app or anywhere you listen to podcasts. Subscribe to get our latest episode as soon as it's available here on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Uh, Russ, excited to get to this conversation with Joe Yurden. He has some amazing insight into Always. what the Sabres have been up to, and we've got a home and home with them. So mm-hmm. uh, double the fun, I guess, with, uh, with the Sabres this week. Uh, before we get into that, a bit of Flyers news. The Flyers have decided to loan Felix Sandstrom to the Phantoms on a conditioning assignment, which, man, I think that's such a, a relief for him to at least he's going to get to play right right it's, it's taken way too long like i said if you were doing it for you know worrying about tampa or hockey canada or whatever like at some point you had to do this yeah absolutely uh also sean Couturier and travis sandheim we've been talking about they've been playing a ton of minutes um and we were a little worried about sean Couturier's Uh, management and load management here so good to see both of them get a maintenance day yesterday as well yeah no that's good I mean again we don't know how they're going to be able to handle all these games so you have to be on you have to err on the side of caution yeah absolutely and as promised here we are with Joe Yurden of notedhockey.com and Bleacher Report to talk all things Buffalo Sabres and Joe, first off, welcome back to the show. Always to love to have you here to talk about the Sabres. Yeah, it's a treat to be back. It's a, it's fun talking with you guys about the Flyers because I've always got a big soft spot for the Flyers, and I don't have any explanation why. But I, I just do. I like the Philly. I like I like Philly. I like the Philly. What am I talking about? I like Philly. I like the team. The team's never not boring. So uh, yeah. So sign me up. That's true. Sign me up on the Flyers all the time. Honestly. Fair enough. Uh, I think, you know, for us and for a lot of people, expectations were high for the Sabres going into this season, that they would take a big step forward. Like, what is your sense of what the expectations were from within Buffalo land? Well, uh, the expectations are they got to make the playoffs. <laughs> that's that's the big one. Um, the, the, I think where a lot of like the angst comes in is that everybody's still in, still in focused in football brain where you lose a game and then it's like, uh-oh, season's in trouble. And then you lose two games and it's like, oh boy, here we go again. And it's like, guys, listen, we, 
got a lot of these games. To There's go. a lot of games. Yeah. We cannot be footballing every result and getting super high, super low. And, you know, uh, listen, you know, everybody, everybody's very bills focused here, obviously, but like the, the, the way the football schedule messes with your brain where each win and loss is so vital and, you know, either builds you up, breaks you down uh, that the doing that mindset with hockey is like, you're going to, you're going to have a heart attack by November. So, Oh, right. It's November now. Whoops. So, you know, it's one of those things where like, you're just going to get yourself stressed out for no reason. And, you know, they got off to a little bit of a slow start. Um, you know, they got very surprised by the Rangers in the opening game. And I think that kind of set a tone for everybody. It was like, Oh geez, these guys didn't learn anything. I'm like, well, you tell me that you would have predicted the Rangers would be playing a one, three, one, you know, trapping it up at, right. the, at, you know, at center ice, that kind of style. But, um, but they've been getting it back together. You know, the, the advanced numbers are looking a lot better. Uh, the advanced numbers look good and they got goalied in a couple of games. You know, Ilya Sorokin did it to him down on Long Island. Who doesn't he do that to? And Jake Allen did it to him here, which is, Hmm. I, listen and I, every now and again a guy will just pull one out out of nowhere and you're like what what can you do and that was that game for 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 buffalo yeah i have a buffalo success story to talk about don't worry we're not going to talk championships i know better um <laughs> we're gonna <laughs> what wait which ones are you talking we gotta go back to the cross joe it's always oh, lacrosse. Lacrosse, right well the bandits are awesome so yeah, yeah. um but no let's talk about casey middlestat because you know a couple of years ago before his you know 59 points whatever it was last year mm-hmm. I would just get texts and everything. He, you know, he stinks. He's washed up. Uh, he's a bust. All those things. And right. look, I knew, yeah, that there was a really good chance that the uh, Sabers rushed him, and they did. And it definitely mm-hmm. set him back a little bit. But you know, he's not an old guy. What are we talking about? Twenty four, twenty five. Yeah. And you know, he's on that pace now. Like again, he's on that pace to get you know around sixty points. And I think that's a really good success story, considering what people were thinking about him and. It really wasn't any fault of his own. I mean, it just was, hey, some players, you know, take a little longer. But, you know, give me an idea of what he means to the team now. Well, he's, uh, you know, this team decided that Tage Thompson and Dylan Cousins were going to be their one-two at center right away, which was smart. You know, they got mm-hmm. them done to long-term deals. Good, I- You know, it was a good idea. Casey was still kind of like, well, we don't know what he's going to be yet. You know, it stinks to, you know, to think that like a couple of years ago and be like, well, we're not sure really where he's going to be at. And then last year he was he it was a rough start. He had a very rough start to the season last year. But by the time by the time we got into about March, late February, March, he was one of their best players easily. I mean, I'm talking easily one of their best players. He and Alex Tuck found uh, found a kind of chemistry where they were just you know just going off there, and it was perfectly timed because you know Thompson was a little bit playing banged up, and you know the goals cool, kind of cooled off a little bit for him there, but. But Middlestat took over and he played great. And, you know, we're talking about a guy who's who's going to be 25 soon. And now he's found his stride. And he's honestly like at this point right now, the way the way the team's playing, whatever line he's playing on is probably their number one line. At least that's the one opposing teams are probably going to want to put their their best defenders out against because they're just going. You know, him and Skinner and, you know, now we're seeing uh, uh, J.J. Paterka with him, who's also mm-hmm. played very well. Right early on we're seeing like that line go and you know Tate Thompson starting to come around now he and Jordan Greenway have got a good thing going there with the super massive wingspan that they can provide when they're on yeah. the ice together and you know until some of these other lines really get going because 
Don even said, you know, he changed lines before uh, before the game against Colorado. He's looking for stuff that works. Uh, and some of these lines have not been clicking exactly. So just try stuff and see if, see what see what, see what sticks to the wall. And right now, any line that Middlestat's been on has been the one that's stuck because he's playing great. It's, you know, he plays hard. You know, he's not like a, a guy that's going to get pushed around a lot now. Um, we see him going hard against, you know, against the walls fighting. For yeah, he's always had great speed. That's always, yeah, been the speed and the skill and the hands have always been there and they're still yeah. there, but now he's now the shots followed and the shot's been good too. It just, he didn't use it as much. Um, but the shot is really good. And now he's doing a lot of those little things and forcing plays, you know, away from the puck to get it into better spots. It's all those little tiny things that coaches notice on video. People like us don't always notice it right away. Right. Like, oh, how'd that happen? Oh, look at what he did. Okay. All right. I get it now. <laughs> He's doing that stuff. So that's, that's a huge development for him and kind of apt timing. Cause he's an RFA RFA this summer. So it'd be very interesting to see how the Sabres handle that because they've kind of made their commitments around the board as to who's, who's the long, who the long-term guys are. More with Joe Yurden about the Buffalo Sabres coming up. When you're drafting your fantasy team, do you ever wish you could do the same thing with your business team? If you're building a roster to win the league, you need Indeed. Indeed is the hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Don't spend hours on multiple job sites looking for candidates with the right skills when you can do it all with Indeed. Candidates you invite to apply through Instant Match are three times more likely to apply to your job than when you only see it in search. So as soon as you sponsor a post, you'll get a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description. And then you can invite them to apply right away. They know that when you're growing your own business, you have to make every dollar count. That's why with Indeed, you only pay for those quality applications that match your job requirements. Visit indeed.com slash locked on to start hiring now. That's indeed.com slash locked on. Terms and conditions apply. Cost per application pricing not available for everyone. Need to hire? You need Indeed. On tomorrow's show, we'll have a recap of round one of Flyers versus Sabres and what maybe they'll need to do in the next game. The Flyers, of course, play the Sabres tonight at 7 Eastern in the first of that home-and-home -home series. Catch every second of the Flyers' hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Search for Flyers. You, you mentioned uh, Thompson and Skinner a little bit there, and we've seen Tage Thompson, Jeff Skinner, and Alex Tuck on a line together before, and now they're on three separate lines. Uh, and so that's a huge change for them. Like, What do you think the reasoning was behind that, and do you think it's working? Well, I, I think part of the reasoning was they just weren't going right off the bat. Um, they they didn't play them together very much in the preseason. I think it wasn't until the last preseason game against Pittsburgh that he put them back, put them back together. Because the thought is like, that's, that's the easy move you can make. You, you know, those three guys can work. You can put them back together and tough through it. And once they get going, they're going. And then you don't have to touch them forever. You get out of the gate, you lose a couple of games and you're, you know, some guys aren't playing well. Alex, Alex was dealing with some kind of ailment in preseason early part of this year. Like he was dealing with something and, you know, we're not privy to that information. Okay. That's fine. But you can tell by the way he was playing. And uh, when, you know, when, when guys fighting it and the whole lines fighting it and, you know, it, it's those kinds of things that can, that can cause like a negative domino effect with the three of them. So it was, 
it was more important because Skinner was going, but like it wasn't clicking with the other two guys. Okay, so you separate Skinner, get him with get him with middle stat. All right, those guys are working well together. Great, perfect. Let them go. Now you've got Tage working very well with Greenway. It's like, okay, we've got them going. Let's let's run with that. And now the, Alex Tuck was the last guy you had to get going. And honestly, the game against Montreal might have been the worst game I've ever seen him play in a Sabres uniform. He just bad, just a bad game. And the team recognized that they were smart enough to know, like, yeah, we're talking with them. We're working on it. We're going to get it figured out. Then the next game against Ottawa was his best game of the season, hands down. You know, right. Goal assist, fights Brady, you know, kind of pulls a slimy head on Brady Kachuk and fights him immediately after almost caused the game to get out of hand in the last five minutes there. But, um, but you know, they come away with a win. Tuck played great. And Tuck's been on point ever since then. So it's it's a chain of – it's it's like a chain of command kind of thing where – you know, if you get those guys going and you can get other guys going with them, then that works out good. Right now, Tuck playing with Cousins is a big deal because you got to get Cousins going too because he's been a little bit hot, cold, and so a lot of that's not really his fault. Um, but, you know, at the same point, if it's not his fault, you still got to get him going. Right. <laughs> so right. Uh, so you put him with Tuck and they're working. It's either going to be Olofsson or Tyson Jost on the other side of, on the other side of them on the wing. So, um, you know, you, there's... They're still trying to figure some things out there. Like the last game against Colorado. Now, granted, they played a great game. Three of the lines had a real hard time <laughs> in that one. Middle stats line was was so good that they just they rolled everybody the whole game. But you want to try to get it going. It's going to be hard against Philly because I mean, geez, Philly gave these guys headaches all last season. So yeah, uh, we'll we'll see how that we'll see how that shakes out. But um, but separating them right now. It's it's a little different to see, obviously, but it, it's a it's a matter of trying to get all three of them going at once. And listen, you can get all three going at once on separate lines. Boy, that works out really well for them. All right, so let's let's have a TED talk about Devin Levi. <laughs> yes. Well, because here in Philly, we saw Carter Hart come up at a young age too. I think mm-hmm. he was twenty one as well. Uh, right. He just played in his two hundredth game, which is a lot for a twenty one year old. I've said it before and I'll say it again. While he is a very good goalie, he's still not in the elite class yet in the NHL. Now, with Levi, you know, you look at him hard, at least that first year, played only 31 games and then 43 like after that. And this beginning of the season, you know, Tony Granato could say whatever he wants, but or Don, Don, sorry. Why did I say Tony? (laughs) I like Tony, too, though. Um, Tony. Yeah. But, but Don was like, yeah, I'm just testing Levi at the beginning, see how he's doing, you know, and 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 so now they they pull back a little. But I don't think they could pull back more than, let's say, less than 50 games. I think he's going to play 50 games. And I worry about that just in the sense that it's so much more than he's ever played, especially at this level. And I like him. I think he's really yeah. good, but it's his first year, and they're not the best defensively, let's face it. Their yeah. defense is still a little amiss. So I – I don't know if this was the best plan. Now, if for some reason Ukepeka Lukanen starts to actually play better, I might feel better about this plan. But you know, give me an idea how where where you feel that it's at right now. Well, it's it was definitely a, a surprise for us that he played that Levi played the first four consecutive games. Um, I don't, you know, especially considering they kept three goalies to start the year. Like your your immediate thought is that like, well, you can't let these guys sit out forever. You know, we know Levi's understandably the the 1A in their mind, and they're going to treat him like that. Like, that's fine. Uh, but when you got two guys backing him up, well, if they're not playing, then they're not 
fresh, then they're not providing any kind of relief when they do play. So that was that was kind of the thought there. But um, but Levi was was struggling a bit there the first four games, and then you know he said he got hurt late in the game against Calgary, which the team did not play very well in that game. Like they they thought they could get into a boat race game with with Calgary and and play that kind of hockey all game and. They kept turning the puck over and causing problems in their own end. And Levi was kind of scattered all over the place. And I, like, it was just a, a universal bad game for everybody. Um, but then, you know, Levi gets hurt. Benson got hurt that game a little bit. So, um, but with Levi, it's, I'm going to be very anxious to see how he, how he looks after the fact. Cause you know, we spoke with him on Monday. What, what text today? Today's Tuesday. Spoke with him on Tuesday and, you know, he's all hyped up. He's ready to go. And, you know, he said, you know, sitting sitting back and watching watching the team play in front of them you know in front of the other goalies in front of Comrie in front of Lucan and gave him an idea of how much better their defensive play was in front of those guys true they, they played much better defensively in front of those guys um but it gave him a, a good idea of like what to expect when he gets back out there which I mean listen Devin's is as studious of a goalie as there is out there this guy studies endlessly he's he's a total mensch when it comes to this stuff like he's just just dug in like it's it's pretty wild but but talks cheap and it's and it's 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 how you play that that determines it so I'm gonna be very anxious to see how he plays because listen I know the fan base is very down on Lucan and Lucan played very well against Ottawa that game got to be a mess late in that one not his fault uh shuts out Colorado well that's a big deal <laughs> that's a yeah, very big deal. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I want to see how, he, how Lucanen handles, uh, Philly on Wednesday. He might handle them again on Friday in Buffalo. We'll see, but that's what I was going to ask is like, will we see, might Lucanen see in both games for honestly. both games? Yeah, it's, it's possible. Um, and it, it, that depends on how Devin feels too. So I will see, but f- for Levi, I think this is a, it's a bit of a learning process, honestly, for the team too. Um, not the players, but I mean like the coaching staff and everybody and how, how to bring a guy along that is like coming in ultra hyped that you trusted to try to get you back into the playoffs last season. Like he, he, when he signed and he was ready to go, he played every game down the stretch. Right. <laughs> which I felt like was a lot, but it was, do we feel but, like, you know, the goaltending coach is calling the shots here or is it really Granado? It seems like it's more Granado. And these days, a lot of coaches default to the goaltending coach so they can kind of set a schedule. Uh, I think this is more on Don. I, I think this is just everybody in the room has has input on this one. I think it's Don. I think it's I think it's Kevin Adams. I think it's I think it's Mike Bales, the goaltending coach. I think they've all got a hand in like figuring out how to kind of handle uh, how this situation goes, which, you know, I mean, but like Don's got the ultimate call. So. I, you know, I get it. And Don's a hot hand guy. So like, you know, whatever. Right. Yeah, I understand. But, um, but this is how this goes from now on and Comrie getting injured kind of helps clear things up very unfortunately, because you're going, you know, it's much easier to handle two goalies than it is three. Sure. Um, which is too bad because Comrie was playing very well. Too. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but it, but if Devin can get it, can get it on get it locked down and get on course here that that makes things a lot better obviously it makes things a lot better for him but um but as far as how to handle the goaltending rotation because the game's you know the schedule is unrelenting like you're just you're gonna be playing no matter what but um but i i have to imagine that if devin comes out and shuts it down immediately in his first game back whoever he plays against whether it's philly or toronto uh how that plays forward is going to be very fascinating to watch because i 
because we I mean, honestly, them playing them the first four games of the season doesn't really help us tell tell us anything about how they how they want to go these how they want to handle uh, right. the entire thing because I mean, who knows that the, the whole idea with him playing the first four was to get get a number one guy into a rhythm. I get it. They didn't have anybody get into a rhythm last season. They they couldn't do it. Um, a little different this time around, though, when you have three guys that can play as many games as you want to. But uh, how smart is it to try to push that? And we'll have more with Joe Yurden coming up next. You know that feeling when your favorite Flyers player scores a hat trick? If you want to get that feeling and win 100 times your money, play Daily Fantasy Hockey on the Sleeper app. As the official Daily Fantasy app of the Locked On NHL Network, Sleeper is our top choice for Daily Fantasy Sports, especially Daily Fantasy Hockey. With Sleeper, you can get win 100 times your cash in Daily Fantasy Hockey contests. Fans can also play Daily Fantasy, NFL, NBA, MLB, and college football on Sleeper, and entries can be made in under a minute. With elite players like Connor McDavid, Sidney Crosby, Austin Matthews, plus the new guys like Connor Bedard, all you need to do is make more or less picks on stats for these stars. Choose from stats like goals, assists, saves, plus, minus, and more. To win 100 times bet on Sleeper, you need to correctly predict the outcome of eight player stats. You heard me, Flyers. You heard me, Flyers fans. You can win a hundred times your money playing daily fantasy hockey with sleepers. So start paying attention and nail your picks so you can start winning big. Use promo code Locked On NHL and you'll get up to a hundred dollar match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. That's code Locked On NHL. See sleepers terms for use for details and locational availability. So I think the Flyers have some similarities to the Sabres in terms of special teams that uh, Mm -hmm. lousy power plays and pretty solid penalty kills. Like what's what's going on with the Sabres? And maybe is there some insight into what the Flyers are doing with their (laughs) power plays here? Well, the the power play thing's interesting for Buffalo because they they've kind of changed up how how they're attacking things. Um, it's not like your standard static one three one kind of power play. The fl- the the flank guy, whoever is out on to the right of the the man at the point, whether it's Dalene or Power, first unit, second unit, whatever. The guy out on the right sometimes flashes out high to be kind of like the I. I I've been referring to it as like a rover spot almost because it's kind of in that second defense spot, but also he slides back over on the half wall for the one time, like that whole setup. And it's been different guys occasionally, you know, it was Jeff Skinner for a little bit. It's been Dylan cousins for a little while, Um, you know, different faces kind of showing up in that spot. The first, I want to say, geez, of like the first 11 or 12 power plays they had this year. I want to say easily half of them were part-time power plays because you know that they either the power play started after they were killing a penalty or a penalty happened while they were on the power play or you know some kind of nonsense like that where they're not getting the full two minute look um it's not clicking just yet and there's still there's still a lot of the old habits of like well let's get it to tage just let them bomb away and teams teams know they're gonna look for that spot like that's just automatic um tage is gonna draw two guys every time the puck goes anywhere to his side of the ice so it's a little difficult from that spot, and you know, Darlene, you know, Darlene's had some uh, had some shot blocks there, and some of the other guys. There's been some mishandles and whatever. There's a lot of not catching and shooting from the from these guys. It's a lot of like holding it and being like, ah, I should shoot now. Then by the time they decide to shoot, there's a guy right in front of them. Shots getting blocked. See you later. Puck out of the zone. 
it's it's not a lot of instantaneous choice making. Uh, it's a lot of overthinking and overpassing, and you know, passing up on great opportunities when they've had them. Because my goodness, the number of good shots, shot looks they've had, where they're like, ah, no, I could pass it to this guy over here. No, just stop doing that. Don't just shoot the puck. Um, it's been a lot, and the second unit has had just a constant litany of guys swapping in and out on it, that there's no cohesion there whatsoever. I think Kyle Opozo was on the second unit today, which I love. They need a guy down low to kind of do the dirty work in front of the net, the whole thing. They needed a guy to do that because JJ Paterka has been in that spot for a little bit. Um, well, Zach Benson was in that spot for a little bit, you know, it's a different rotating cast of characters. Peyton Krebs was there for a couple of games. If you don't have the same units going, it's tough to really get a to get a rhythm going with that. So that's tough. Um, but fortunately, the power the power play will fix itself. I'm pretty convinced of that. The penalty killing, which was awful last year, it was it was putrid last season, is amazing this year. They've changed their entire yeah. approach this season with it, where they were very passive, you know, just kind of letting guys kind of fart around with the puck and decide, you know, where they want to go with it and who's going to shoot and then scramble in the end when the puck got within, you know, 30 feet of the net. They are now hunting guys with the puck all over the zone and not doing it in a reckless fashion. It's, it's sending a guy at, at a guy, you know, if a guy's trying to hold it right at the top of the point guy, right on top of them, better make a pass quick. And then if they pick the wrong guy, Somebody else is going to be there to bat it away, knock it away, or create a shorthanded opportunity going going in the other direction. But um, the PK's the PK's been awesome. <laughs> they had this PK last year. They probably they probably make the playoffs and they probably finish about seventh seventh in the East. Honestly, um, it's it's that much of a difference maker for them. But you know, early season it's never perfect. If you've uh, the number of years this team's had a great power play that lit everybody up for the first month and a half of the season and then went quiet for the next two months. I could, I could count it. I could count the seasons in a row that happened on one hand. It was, it's been too many. So Joe, um, right now the flyers, you know, in the early part of the rebuild, we could argue what year they're into it. They're going to say first, uh, I might say it's more, but just because they, you know, kind of like fell into it. Uh, mm -hmm. But right now I look at attendance and they're averaging a little over 17,000 Buffalo's down 29th and, only a little over 15 and mm. clearly their rebuild went way too long. And so the question is you've seen it decay mm. down from where, you know, probably where, you know, better than where the flyers were honestly to this. And do you think a, if it takes this long in Philly, like that's something that could happen. And just so flyers fans understand, give us an idea of how this happens. I think in Buffalo, there's there, it's twofold. Um, it happened because the team lost, like period. Just, you know, you can only take so much losing before you're like, you know what, I'll, I'll get tickets again when you guys are actually like winning some games. You know, that, that there's that. But there was also a part of, of how management ran things where it was just taking the fan base for granted because I think back to my first two seasons here, 13, 14, 14, 15, two of the worst seasons in Sabres history as far as performance, what they did, you know, one year was, you could argue both years were tank years, whatever. Fans showed up. Um, fans showed up quite a bit. And, uh, you know, I it, it amazed me that at certain points in both of those seasons that fans were turning out the way they did because I was like, these teams stink out loud. Like, watching them get out out shot attempted like a hundred to to forty in right. games by you know you know Ovi's putting up you know 25 30 shot attempts you know every time the caps play against them it's like 
I don't know how you, I don't know how, I don't know how fans deal with this, but it was, it was all done with that carrot dangled in front of them of saying like, it's going to get better. We're going to, you know, we're going to get Eichel or McDavid. One of those guys is going to be here. So, um, you know, and they got one of those guys and then didn't, didn't do the yeah. rest of the rebuild. Right. They, you know, they different parts went wrong. I mean, there's a thousand different directions that conversation can go, but a lot it's of it a cautionary be, tale, right? Like every hundred oh, percent, every team says, Hey, we have this plan and it's hard for that plan to actually work the way you think it's going to work, yeah. especially if it's under five years, I think. I mean, it's really hard. Trying to do something that big in five years is you need a lot of luck. You need like, you need great scouting and you need a lot of luck because if yeah. you don't have the great scouting, anything you get, like you're basically banking on your first round picks to, to get you to where you got to be. And then if they don't do it, then you're screwed because you're not making good picks the rest of the draft. I don't right. have to, I don't have to like help help anybody find the Sabres draft history during that whole run and, and be like, look what else they did and have everybody go. I see why they lost. Like they didn't get anybody. They didn't get right. anything out of the anything after the first round. And even some of the first round picks were a little dicey. So it, it it's, it's definitely a cautionary tale. Anybody trying to sell you on the, uh, sell you anything on like, don't worry, we got this figured out. All you got to do is look at the Oilers and Sabres, you know, Oilers for, for the Oilers were the OGs of trying to pull this of you know getting lucky in the in the lottery, getting all the first round picks, and then doing jack squat with anybody else, and being miserable continually. That where it was just kind of like, oh, this is a joke, and then the Sabers started picking up right after them, saying like, yeah, don't worry, we'll do it different, and they didn't do it any differently. They still were bad. So there, you can run with any kind of conspiracy theories. Like, well, the bills are good now. So people are spending the money on the bills. Well, that's right. true. But they're always spending their money on the bills. So, right. you know, there's that, but you know, and listen, I get it. Money's tight forever. I totally get it. But like trying to sell people on promises of like, no, really we're better this time. We swear, wink, wink, you know, <laughs> that stuff to like, right. we're smarter than that. Fans are smarter than that. Like if I, it would have been very interesting to see what happened if this team had made the playoffs last year, and like that, the hype train would have been immense. Like that would have been crazy. It would have been absolutely bananas here. But I wonder how that would have translated with the season tickets because last season's performance got a lot of fans back. Like the attendance is still down. Don't get me wrong, but it's a lot better than it was two years ago, which, okay. you know, that's probably about as low as it got. I mean, it's we're coming out of COVID doing all that stuff, yeah. but, um, but it was bad. It was really bad two years ago. Cause again, what am I buying into? Like what, if I'm buying season tickets, what, like, what am I going to see? Mm -hmm. you know? And then it took that season for Tage to break out. You know, Skinner scores 30 again. You're like, oh, okay, well, some normalcy. We like normalcy. Then last year was like, oh, this team's almost a playoff team. Great, cool. I'm back in. They're fun to watch. And that's that's the big thing. Like, they're fun to watch. That's that's the big seller. Now get to the playoffs. When You know, win something right. in the playoffs so you can get everybody back. Yeah, and it's going to be tough because the Atlantic Division is, uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> it really is. You know, you look at, you know, the Sabres record even now, it's like, you know, what are they, four and five? It's yeah. it's not like that bad. And they're in the basement of the division. Right. And, you, and you look at the goal differentials and the points that the top mm -hmm. teams are, are racking up, like how tough is it going to be for the Sabres to get there? Yeah, I, 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 I feel like a doofus because I was saying, well, you know, the, the points from the Bruins are going to, you know, 
people are going to have to get those points. They're going to be given up this year because, you know, they're not going to be as good as last year. Listen, I mean, look, (laughs) there's nobody in the world that thought the Bruins would be undefeated right now after losing Bergeron and Krejci. Like, let's be real about that. So you're not a doofus. But I knew they were going to be still really good. Yeah, I I had to pick them for the playoffs because I looked at the landscape and I said, all right. It's like, yeah, because my whole thought was like, well, if they give 25 points back, that's still 110 points. They're really (laughs) good. They're still stupid good. But I mean, but I mean, you know, but that's kind of set an unreasonable bar in the division right now because they're so. I mean, Jesus, they're they're ahead of everybody by you know four or five points. Like, okay, um, you know, Toronto. Everybody in Toronto is going to be good. You know, even even when they're playing not great, they're still fine. Sure, like, Joe Walls play great, so like that's you know good for them. Tampa Bay, like, did I don't know. I wasn't. I didn't foresee a Jonas Johansson, you know, starting off hot kind of run for Who them could? Nobody could. i love jj but like hockey's weird man Vasilevsky goes down i'm like all right man time to eat time to yeah. time to get the points out of them while you can but um but you don't see that coming and like the panthers you're like well maybe they'll stumble early and you know until ekblad and montour get back and right. haven't really done that and bob hasn't played out of his mind either like he's he's been fine like he's standard bob but still producing the whole of it, you know, Montreal's played a kind of a uh, kind of over their head a little bit to start. So, yeah, you know, I tried warning people about Montreal. It's like talent's not good and they're not going to stick around that much, but they're going to be a pain. They're going to yeah. be a major pain. Yeah, they have, they have some off. talent. They do. Yeah. And they got guys, there's guys coming. So, yeah. Um, but it's hard. Like, I, I think if you went into this season thinking it was going to be easy, you're fooling yourself. Um, but it's, but like the Atlantic is, is, I mean, the Metro is not exactly a, tr- a treat either. No. But but the Atlantic is just a murder scene. It's just you know, some teams are going to have to be bad, and it's just going to be a it's just going to be a question of like, well, who has to eat the short end of the stick every other night to be down in the pits? Like that's that's the thing I don't re- I'm not really sure on right now. Like I have a couple of teams circle right now to be like, mm, let's see let's see where they are in a month and a half. But yeah, I'm not you know it's very difficult and streaks. I mean, geez, streaks carry everybody, but. I don't know. We're going to see a lot of teams really get hyperactively hot to carry them forward. If they get into a deep hole, I just, it's tough to see it. Well, there's one thing I noticed. I, I did some research and I didn't use it on my serious spot. So I'll use it here. There's a lot of overtime games being played. I think there's something yeah. like 54 overtime games. And you mentioned Montreal, they played five overtime games out of mm-hmm. their nine. So what that kind of tells me is it seems like teams are trying to sit on their leads when they get them and they get stung once in a while, and then all of a sudden this game is in, is in overtime. And so if that's the case, it yeah. makes it even harder because then mm-hmm. everything becomes, uh, you know, that, that loser point game. And then it's like, wow, that means where you normally could say that last month means a lot. It might be two, It might be a month before that because mm-hmm. the math all of a sudden starts to get bad. Yeah, the the, the number of OT games is, is something where I've kind of raised, raised my eyebrows on it a little bit, and I know. I, you know, I know everybody loves to go to bat for the the three two one point system, but I'm like, if this keeps up, we'll never see three two one because everybody will oh, be I in know. a playoff race because right. everybody will be tight. It's the ultimate parody dream. That loser point, yeah, right. You know, if every game is just a is a one, you know, you're just getting one more point than the loser, then you're not going to gain ground on anybody. Which you would think at some point would turn people to be like, get finish it in regulation, but we know how it is. One goal game. You're going to play it tight. And if you give up the tire, like, ah, well, we got our point at least. Got our point. 
It's the same thing that happened with ties back in the day. We know this. We're oh, yeah. old enough to know better. But like, if you got your tie, you were good. You were yeah. like, all right, well, whatever. We didn't lose two points. We got one. But I mean, it's it, it's it's tough to see that because you're not. It, it basically it, it just basically makes it so that if you got out to a slow start, your fight is now for the rest of the season to try yes. to climb the ladder. Which I don't know that's not right either. Definitely a tough road this season. I think in the East overall for both of our teams, uh, not going to make you make any predictions on this show, (laughs) (laughs) but uh, as we all know, Joe, you are a renowned Buffalo Sabres journalist. So where can people find your work out there? You can find uh, the the bulk of my Sabres writing at notedhockey.com. You can help support me support my writing there. Uh, $5 a month, 50 a year. If you pay more than 50 for a year, I'll write whatever story you want to do. There you go. I've, I've had zero people take me up on that, which I mean, hey, thank you for supporting me. I appreciate it. But like, not even I'll a Yankee story. Want, man. Not even a Yankee story? Like, you know. I mean, I would prefer it to be a hockey story. If you want me to write a Yankee story on a hockey yeah, ball. See? Could, I, but I mean, listen, you paid for that. That's fine. But, okay. Um, but yeah, you can find, find notedhockey.com. Find me there. Uh, also, a Bleacher Report. I'm contributing there uh, quite a lot with uh, more league-wide stuff. Some fun, some analytical, some you know, some some kind of silly things and fun. We're just trying to have fun over there. So uh, I think we're I think we're all doing a good job of that there. So yeah, come check us out uh, on Bleacher Report and find all my work on uh, my Sabers work at NotedHockey.com. All right, thanks so much, Joe. Thanks, Joe. Thanks, guys. All right. Once again, thanks to Joe Yurden for joining us. A lot of detail in there. So now we know what to watch out for in the next couple of games. And the rebuild. Like, you know, it's a cautionary tale, too. Like, you just never know in this sport. It's hard. Yeah, absolutely. All right. That'll do it for today's show. As a reminder, the Flyers play the Sabres tonight at 7 Eastern in that first of the home and home series. You can catch every second of the Flyers hometown broadcast with Sirius XM on the SXM app search for Flyers. And as a reminder, we want to hear from you, especially about that Ed Snyder night tribute. So Catch our post over on YouTube that's linked in the show notes and say what you want to see on January 6th as the Flyers honor Ed Snyder. I am Rachel. I'm on Twitter at rmiriam. That's R-M-I-R-I-A-M. I'm Russ. I'm at Sportsology, S-P-O-R-T-S-O-L-O-G-Y. Have a great day, everyone.